Okay, Chris, we're back at it. Mm-hmm. How you been? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. New digs? I know. This is nice. The lot, same, but new. A lot of room. We could yes. dance. <laughs> we could take that's a nap first, on your couch. That's the first suggestion I've had so far was, yeah, we have room to dance now. There you go. We could do like a... a uh, a disco show. We could. We could also do slam dancing. That was a thing, right? Slam oh, gosh, dancing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, now, did you ever do that? No. <laughs> I, Would you admit it to me if you actually ever did? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> no, no. I've never done anything like that. I, I, I find it fascinating. Back when I worked at Double X, there were people that would do that type of thing. Or when you get like the mosh pit that goes circular, like almost like a... a what is that called? I, I don't know. I just find it fascinating to watch it. Have you been in a mosh pit before? I have been in a mosh pit. Okay, so I have not done that. You got quickly got <laughs> quickly got out. Got hammer. Oh, you got. Oh, all right. You <laughs> yeah, got, yeah. Which yeah. show was you got? You got uh, the show. Oh, who was that? Um, it might was like I think Live was a part of that. The band Live. Yeah, I remember that. But I just I, I value my dental work. <laughs> I've never had a cavity in my life, and I'm just very cautious about my teeth. Yes, knock on wood, for sure. I never had the courage to, but I got a cool mosh pit story. I watched Keanu Reeves get in a mosh pit. Wow. I was in, uh, I was, that picture of Scott Ian over there, we presented him a guitar. It was the House of Blues, Chicago, in the March of 05. Oh, wow. We're there just doing our thing. It's, he it's doesn't Keanu seem Reeves. like a mosher to me. I didn't think so either. He's and more of like. My wife at the time was so enamored child. that she was standing next to him. It was probably something. But then we got our seats up on a balcony, and then we looked down, and there's like Connor Reef taking his jacket off, and he went at it. Like wow. Full bore. Wow. And at the time, it was the third movie had just kind of come out, so everybody was saying, oh, Neo's, Neo's in the mosh pit. The Matrix. Oh, Matrix, yeah. Yeah, so I just, that's my only, but I wasn't brave enough. And after watching it from above like that, I was like, ooh, that's yeah. brutal. Yeah. If I was younger, yeah, of course. But yeah, it's... It's a little dangerous. Uh, no doubt. So today we're going to tackle the year that was in rock, 1984. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff came out in 84. It did. And eight, and would you not say also that MTV was kind of hitting its stride then after a couple of years of being in existence at that yeah. point? Yeah, I think so. Um, as far as more bands coming out with creative videos, not just performance videos or, or stupid things with, you know, guys wearing a lot of blush and lipstick that you knew they they didn't feel comfortable doing just to make them look I you know obviously technology has come a long way in videos and things and um but um yeah I think 84 yeah I, I would think think that there was a lot of it was kind of like where the in 84 the stride of alternative music really started to to pop its head up. You oh, know? really? That early? I think so, yeah. I mean, you had a lot of different bands. Echo and the Bunnymen came out with Ocean Rain that year. Mm -hmm. The Smiths came out with The Smiths that year. Mm -hmm. Depeche Mode came out with their album that year, R.E.M., The Reckoning. Oh, R.E.M. So, you know, it's just, I mean, do you call R.E.M. alternative? Yeah, I think so, because they were a college kind of college music college rock is yeah was, college rock before and, and it was alternative right? sure and Depeche Mode to me was college rock I mean when I was in college <laughs> many many moons ago <laughs> um you too was considered a Christian band I think we've had this discussion oh, before yeah, the unforgettable sure. fire for came out in 1984 sure. for sure 1984 from Van Halen came out in yes no they were not alternative no 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 but um yeah there were a lot of cool bands that were starting to get some recognition in those days you know but 84 probably was the height of the uh the uh, and not maybe androgynous kind of thing on video, sure. men with lipstick and spandex. I think of Billy Squire being the biggest casualty of '84 because he had, had a nice little run, and that album was so good. 
But that damn video for Rock Me Tonight. That's like, terrible. It that is, is terrible. That is, that is, but it, but it, that is that's a shame. Happened, it really I is. I mean, he is a fabulous mm-hmm. songwriter, writes a great hook. He's great live, seen him multiple times. 100%. Um, but it, to, for that to like railroad his whole entire career, is it us? I think. Do we have problems with I don't things? Think Did we, we have problems with men shaving their armpits in 1984? Well, the and, funny part about it, I don't think you know? so. But I, but it makes me wonder if someone in the industry had it out for him and created oh. the narrative, maybe because no, that stuff was be. happening with other bands that sure. seemed to make it. I mean, I mean Boy, Bon Jovi was Boy doing George. This. Exactly I mean, right. I mean, he was androgynous, and you know, yeah, Bon Jovi and. Um, but why did it was it, why was it not permissible for Billy Squire? I don't know, and it's it's sad because you know there is a guy I would love to see write some new music. I mean, I listen to him all the time. Mm-hmm. I just love so his I. stuff. Love so his do stuff. I. So, if you look back at that year, obviously the big one was Van Halen, right? I mean, that's, sure. it even had 1984 as the title, right? And you can see by these goofy lists we have, numerous songs from that album seem to be in there. Mm-hmm. Was that the oh, hit? there were lots more, Eric. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, okay. Let me tell you a little story about Chris Winter. Okay, I worked at I, I graduated from college in 1984, and um, between working in radio, college radio, and working in professional radio and getting a real job, I worked at National Rock Mart at Century Three okay. for from like May of '84 till December January of '85. Okay, that year, that summer. Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, came out. Uh, Eddie and the Cruiser soundtrack. Remember that? Couldn't get that song out of my head. Right. We couldn't keep that album. The Dark Side or something, right? The name of couldn't, song? Yeah. Could not keep that album in stock. As soon as we had 20 copies, boom, they were gone. Really? Um, let's see what else. You had Madonna's Like a Virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince Purple Rain, which was by far off the charts. Yeah. Off the charts with you couldn't keep that in. And the movie came out that year as well. Correct. And then we had this little plastic thing that had like felt on it and you spun it around and it had pins on it. It was all Prince and Springsteen and I think New Kids on the Block or somebody, a boy band at that time. And people were just going bananas over it. Bananas over it. Hmm. Well, why is Prince not often included in the conversation when you talk about rock? He should be. Certainly. Probably one of the best guitar players I've seen. Arguably the best. Yeah. I mean, very diverse, wrote all of his own stuff. Effortless. You know, the first album he played, he wrote everything, played every instrument on it. You know, Want to Be Your Lover, that song. Mm-hmm. Um, 78 for the For You album. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, why he isn't in the conversation, I think he is now, now that he's not with us anymore. And more people realize and have seen the video of of him doing while my guitar gently weeps i think maybe that kind of sparked more people thinking like oh wow wow what did i miss from this guy you know but he i mean listen to the beginning of dove's cry you know he's fabulous he's oh fabulous. and the song let's go crazy I sure mean, it was pretty obvious from the get-go that he was playing from another stratosphere right and he did it so effortlessly right. as a guitar player you'd watch him play it's like he's not even interested once in a while, he's really into it, but he's doing all this complex stuff in his mind over here, looking around. Like right. And on so top of that, he's doing, uh, I, I saw him live, I forget what year that was, at the, at the arena, and you know, he's doing splits and things like that with, those with the guitar. And I'm like, holy smokes, this guy's amazing. That's why I thought he was superior to Michael Jackson. You take, take away how popular the songs were, but the dancing with the, with the heels the, and playing the guitar and everything he did, different, but 
I think, harder than what Michael Jackson did. Oh, sure, sure. To me. It's a little bit of a different um, kind of apples and oranges, though, okay. to a degree. I mean, Michael Jackson d- didn't know how to write music. True. A lot of it was in his head. And he would say to somebody, okay, I want... <laughs> and you know the, whoever the, the you know the musicians would were it, right. would interpret it or right. somebody would write it down for him or whatever but i think there's that creativity there with him that it's completely different than what prince did i would agree yeah yeah because prince owned the entire thing yeah i mean prince was a multi-instrumentalist michael jackson was not but you know do you look at the success of how many albums each one of those guys sold I'm just it's it's it saddens me that we're talking about them yeah. and they're not here anymore. Both hundred percent, you know. Yeah, that that's that's the heady part of the right. whole thing is they're no longer with right. us. But that conversation always goes on. Like, what do you value success? Is it purely money and album sales? It's impact. What is it? Oh well, I, I think it's a lot of things. I I, I think it's impact. Um, you know, Michael Jackson was a little weirder. You don't than, say. <laughs> then Prince was, but Prince, was he? <laughs> but Prince was odd. I mean, come on, uh-huh. he changed his name how many times uh-huh. into a symbol and things like that. So uh-huh. they both, maybe that's where fame messes you up, you know, because Prince was young when he put out um, the first album, not as young as Michael Jackson, but you know, I, I think maybe that's where fame kind of messes with people when they're young and you know, you kind of have a lot of hangers on and and people that tell you. Your yes men, oh, enablers. Yeah. 100%. You know, and obviously when you see what happened to Michael Jackson and you see what happened to Prince, it's the same thing. I think so. What's interesting for me is to look back um, on interviews and so forth, like with Morris Day at the time. Like he'll give an inter- interview now and talk about right. the before time when Prince was not famous yet. Right. And just talking about how normal it was. You'd say, you know, you can't imagine Prince being normal. But right. He was very normal. Right. Until, and maybe always was normal. Maybe it was the, the persona that was shown. I mean, right. who, who ultimately knows, right? Right. I, right. I kind of think Michael Jackson wasn't normal, <laughs> but, you know, but uh, yeah. there was some, there was some weird stuff there. But, then again, too, you're, you're what, 11 or 12 and then, and you're thrown into this spotlight right, and with him and you're, you're growing up on stage and your voice, one bad apple. You know, mm-hmm. you know, from like Donny Donny Osmond. I mean, his voice too. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Jackson. And I just heard some um, some Osmond brother stuff not too long ago on the radio. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these things so high. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're you're growing, and it's puberty, and now your voice is changing. And certainly, you know, you can't get that back what you had when you were you know 11, 12, 13. So it's got to mess with your head. It's got to mess with the- your head. 80s, late 80s, I think it was 87, there was an attempt to bring Donnie back because I guess the powers that be at the record companies thought, hey, Michael Jackson made the transition. Sure, Look at all that. Sure. And they tried to bring Donnie back, 88, 87. Right. And there was a video and stuff. Eh, it just didn't, didn't click. Right. He had that one song that was out. I, I, it, I, it, it, the title of it throws me off. I can't remember what it was. But it, it did fairly well. But I think that was a little late in the game, though, because Michael Jackson was already making a stride at, at, at the oh, yeah. end of the 70s into the right. 80s. So Yeah, he never stopped. Right, whereas, right. Whereas Took that others. time off, you know, between maybe 15 and then when he... I'm trying to think what year did Off the Wall come out? 80? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So there, maybe there was a couple years there and then all of a sudden he started working on, on some Thriller. material and... I mean, Thriller was 82. That's a 
Wow. When you sit and think about that, like we yeah. think, well, Thriller was a was a mid eighties thing. No, no, no. Thriller was eighty two. Right. Right. Which is yeah insane. It is. It, it's <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's it. like time is going by so fast anymore, and it's just like slow down. I know. What What do you think? What are your memories of uh, the nineteen eighty four album and that Van Halen that version of Van Halen? There, the last album where they were all right. quote unquote together. Right. Oh, I loved it. I, I I wasn't. I will admit, I wasn't a fan of the keyboards. Mm. you know mm-hmm. jump kind of was like eh. diver down it kind of gave us a taste of that right sure the album before yeah it, it, but diver down was a little bit more raw but diver down just had some funky stuff in it that was that was keyboards but not da, da, da. it wasn't the and main then, instrument then when you hear what they did with sammy it was like ed ed are you in the band anymore you know because it was just all keyboard a lot of keyboard do yeah. do 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 <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. Could you imagine what David Lee Roth was thinking, though, when he heard like the Hagar version? I mean, the success was undoubtable. Oh, sure. Sure. What Roth must have been thinking about that version of Van Halen. Dave was doing okay by himself. Yeah. You know. What it turned into. Yeah. Yeah. And I often wonder, um, you know, when you're looking at Van Halen, are you a Van Halen fan with Dave because they're because of Dave or the music was a lot more rock and, and hard. I mean, little dreamer to me, da, 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 until mm-hmm. that song still stands the test of time as right. far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. But are you a fan of, of Van Halen and Dave because it was it really was more raw and more rocking or are you a fan of Van Halen Sammy because it was more poppy? Think, and more keyboards. I think it's a great question. Yeah. I think if you love rock and roll, especially kind of hard rock, I'd venture to say that the second version of Van Halen might not appeal to you right. much. I mean, it was yeah. a pop band. Sure, sure. And, and I had seen Sammy multiple times by himself, and his solo shows were- The Red Rocker. So much fun, and he mm-hmm. was so great on stage with um, just, people would throw up, pops you know a lollipop and he'd open up the lollipop and then people would throw up notes and he'd read the notes and you know mm-hmm. just he was very good and very quick on his feet with the audience right um almost um like vegas a little bit mm-hmm. in in that respect but he rocked i mean he rocked and then the whole van, van halen stuff i was like uh. it was still good but it was just um um dave Van Halen sorry. yeah i i think yeah because that first album especially just the impact that it had on on the industry. Sure. Sure. The sound. Right. You know, that guitar sound. The disappointing thing about Van Halen for me was that it should have gotten heavier. You had two guitarists now, right? You right. had a double guitar attack. Right. The Van Halen material should have gotten you, Good point. Good point. Yeah. But it didn't. Good point. It went the other direction. No. Yeah, and you're Sammy right. did a lot of singing and not playing in right. there, too. If you remember, he right. was kind of taking Ross' place right. as the singer. Right. But he was a hell of a guitar player in his own Absolutely. Because right. when he did his solo shows, he played. You know? Uh-huh. And, and that had to be odd for him. Because, you know, sometimes that's their crutch. You know, like a lot of times you 100%. see people on stage, like a lot of these American idols and they, you know, they're people that are guitar players and then all of a sudden they come out and they don't have their guitar and they're, they, they don't know what to do with themselves, their hands and all that stuff. So, and they grab onto the microphone <laughs> for dear life, like, oh my God, help me. That happens. But, you know, I, I mean, that's weird that you would say that because you would think with Sammy, it would have gotten more, more rocking. I would think so. I mean, they were... They were the table was set to do that. Right. They just didn't do it. And right. I 
But again, who knows what the influence was, right? I mean, to be living it in an era where MTV was dominating and right. pop was attracting so much money. Sure. Uh, but Van Halen is not a metal band to me. When I think about Van Halen in the 70s, that's its own thing. Right. David and, and Alex and Eddie and Michael, that that is its own thing. Right. You can't pigeonhole that into anything. I, I would just say straight ahead rock if you're going to, you know. I guess. But, but for another, it, it was it was tones and sounds that the industry had never heard before. Right. It was kind of like what Randy Rhodes was doing with Ozzy. I mean, Five years later. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was... You, I mean, the way he played his guitar, too, was just like, what the heck is this? You know, mm-hmm. and um, th- those two both did something that was just so rare and really stuck out because it was so different. Not for people like, you know, that don't know how to play the guitar for the listener or just your average like, whoa, what is this? And then when you saw the videos and he's doing the whole finger fret thing stuff, it, you know, it's like, wow, that's impressive. It is. And it. It's like when you heard the first guitar riff off of the first record in the, the reverb that's on there, that tone, uh, beyond the skill level, that tone had, had never been played in rock prior. I mean, Blackmore, Clapton, anyone before that, they had their own thing, but that was just so fresh yeah. and new. Yeah. And I think it kind of carried all the way into 1984. It changed a little, right? especially when the synthesizers came in, but the guitar was still kind of the same the settings in his food chain were the same. Right. But man, it just seemed like everything changed when he left the band. Yeah. Even Dave, you know, Eddie's tone changed yeah. on the very first record. Right. And, you know, the keyboards too were. Yeah. Just kind of. But like, they weren't the only band doing that. Tr- true. But it wasn't like they weren't like great keyboards. <laughs> do, do I dare say that? I just. Did. I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's like, do, do, do. That is Chris Winter, uh, you know, nine years old, learning how to play the organ out at South Hills Village Mall at the Kimball store. That's Uh, uh, do, 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 do. You know what I mean? It wasn't like anything really thought-provoking or insane, intense, like a Rick Wakeman or, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody like that. Lee, someone like that. Yeah, it it was. They weren't trying to create that. It looks like they were trying to create pop music. Yeah. And and look at the look at the the sales of of what they did with with Sammy, they made a lot yeah, of money. It did make a lot of money, but it wasn't tour sold out. It wasn't the same to me. One of the bands that are on this list it surprised me because again, I don't like you mentioned prior. Probably is not statistically accurate, but they have a Rush song up here from distant. Uh, the song Disney, is this distant early warning from yeah, Grace Under Pressure. Team, yeah. It was great. Oh yeah, but in terms of. That wasn't classic Rush. That that album ushered in kind of a new era for Rush. Right. I think when they came from Signals to that record, right. it was a two-year gap. And all of a sudden, now there's this really heavily drenched synthesizer Rush album. This past week, Signals turned 40. Oh, man. That's, you know, that's painful. Yeah, Analog Kids. Like, oh, that's a great <laughs> record. And it started there, I think. But it really got ultra-heavy synthesizers on that record. And, right. and Alex's guitar tone changed, too. It right. became a different band. right. But still, some of the best drumming by the man, the professor. Of course. Yeah, it's it's. Of course. There's another one. It's like, oh my gosh, can't believe he's gone. Yeah, that's pretty painful. Yeah, that's pretty painful. What else about '84 that you remember? I'm obviously working in a record store at the time. Like, um, was New Wave kind of mm-hmm. like that was a thing? The, the yeah. fix was out there. That was pretty big at the right. time. Like I said, the Smiths, Billy Idol, Billy Idol. Um, the Smiths came in. The fix, public image to a lesser fix, degree. Yes. Uh, 
The Fix. Who else? Um, the Fix were pretty big for a while there. Right. Right. Pretenders. Learning to Crawl came out in 84. They were considered an alternative band, not really a rock band. Um, Did Petty have a record that year? Don Petty? I can't recall. Don Henley? Oh, my, yeah. Had his second solo album, Away from the Eagles, Building the Perfect Beast, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Great album. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what else. I remember it being such a... A Dawkins album came out that year. I remember oh, it we, did. We played the bejesus... Of Steve Perry, hello! Woohoo! Yeah, how could you forget that Street one? Street Talk came out. How could out. you forget that That one? was his first album away from from Journey and probably the... Oh, end, Sherry, <laughs> the demise, right? The demise of Journey eventually. Kinda, as we know them with Steve Perry. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Street Talk came out that year. I'm trying to think what else. I remember working at National Record Mart and um, I won a contest because they had these things on the wall that you could decorate with an album and they would give you uh what were called picture flats which were album covers but they were just by 12. cardboard yeah. right it, yep. was, it was like the album cover without yep. the, the, the back end of the album yep. i remember and there were posters and i did one for grace under pressure for rush and i won the contest and i won tickets to the show so I was like, I remember that. yeah, they came. They had, I know, remember that. The show. National Rockmore Brass came out and checked out everybody who participated, and and uh, I won that one. So that year, I had to go to a show. Uh, I had to take a girlfriend's younger sister to see the Thompson Twins. Oh yeah, Into the Gap came out that painful. year. Oh come on! <laughs> oh, and then I think the no next, fun. I think the next night I had to go. The next night or the next week, I had to go see Duran Duran. Ooh. This, Seven in the Ragged Tiger tour, uh-huh, which was eight, Ice, technically eighty three. I think, Ice but, Storm. Yeah, but they yes. started touring. Yeah, and bled over into eighty four. Right, right. That's a big area, big time. Oh sure. The Scorpions, it says, had a big album there. Rock yeah. like a hurricane was eighty four. Right. Well, that was off. Uh, Love at first sting was that that album. Yep, it's just it certainly yeah. was. This list is also saying that Cindy Lauper made her way onto the world stage at that time. This is, is true. That right? She's I so thought unusual. It was 83, though. She's so unusual. Yeah, that came out. It might have been end end of eighty. No, it was eighty four. I'm almost sure it was eighty four. That was that was a big album at, at at National Record Mart that year as well. Yeah, I remember her videos had that wrestling guy in there, Lou Albano. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't I can't tell you anything about my financial, how <laughs> my four hundred one k is doing, but I know such stupid stuff. It's it it blows my mind. He, did Louis the Pierce's? Yeah, with gum gum bands or rubber bands, or whatever. I mean, oh, it looks so yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah. Lou Albano. <laughs> you know what else came out? Which great with the? How can we forget Spinal Tap came out that year? Did oh, that's right. Yeah, it did. Spinal that Tap. Did. Yeah, I didn't that, know what to believe when I saw that. And wasn't it interesting that they were able to make fun of heavy metal that early on in the process? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of just. It depends on what you call heavy metal. I mean, Bon Jovi came out with. Bon Jovi that year. I right. don't. I don't consider them heavy metal. Never did. No hair band, maybe kind of. But I thought, I thought Bon Jovi was was pop rock. But Judas Priest had an album out that year. The Scorpions had an album out mm-hmm. that year. Like I said, Dawkins mm-hmm. uh, had an album out, and uh, Metallica had Ride the Lightning out in '84. They did. It's a brutal record. Yeah. So it's often forgotten now because yeah. they they became a pop rock band. Sorry. Yeah. But they kind of did, right? Sure. Sure. And Thompson Twins, Steve Perry. Wait a second, Night Ranger. Night Ranger, yeah. Yep. Night Ranger. Well They were pop rock, right? I wanna say let me think here. Was it eighty four? Yes, it was eighty it was eighty four. Because I that was uh Night Ranger was my actual first interview I ever did in Jeff radio. Blades? Um I was in college and um 
the album came out and I reached out to Disease or Angler and said, hey, would they be willing to do an interview? Thinking like a phone interview or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll hook you up after the show. So I'm like, oh, great. So I go to where I was supposed to go. I have passes and things. And um, I was to interview uh, Jack Blades and, um, um, oh, gosh. Here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Brad Gillis. Hello. Yeah. And the guitar guy. I'm a nervous wreck. My hands are shaking so bad. And I'm like, and I didn't know what to say. So I have a tape recorder and all this stuff. And they're like, take a deep breath. They hooked up all my all my equipment for me. <laughs> and that made me feel so good and so at ease. Certainly. That after that, it was just like. A, a great conversation between three people, cool. kind of kind of getting to know what it's like to be a rock star and, and what their lives are like and and all that type of stuff. And they asked me questions about me and and that's very cool. Um, after the interview was over, they did a couple of IDs, and um, after that, they helped me unplug all my equipment. And they walk, they, the two of them walked me out to the outside. We walked across the stage at the Stanley Theater and out wow. the door. And there were all these girls hanging outside and they had their arms around me. And I'm like, so this is what it's like to be a rock star, huh? And they're like, you know it. And I just ran into them um, about two month and a half ago in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, get up. I went out to the Night Ranger show and got backstage passes and, cool. and just got to see them very quickly. But they're such nice guys and i wrote something about them Normal, on, huh? on my facebook page and kelly keggy responded with like that's thank you for for being so nice and remembering that and all that stuff and i'm like every time i've met them and it's been a zillion times always just the coolest nicest down-to-earth guys you've ever met mm -hmm. just they've never changed jack blades and and brad because i had them you know the the interview with them and dealt with them every time I've been with them or have met them, they've always been the same, just genuinely cool, kind, nice guys, no attitude, no ego, no nothing. Mm -hmm. um, years ago, we, they were in town uh, up at, in Greensburg and we were backstage and they did their warm up and we're all singing sister Christian and you can still rock in America while, you know, Brad played the guitar and, you know, Kelly's over there hitting something with his drumsticks. And, you know, I took my phone on. I never shared that with anybody. I, cool. I, I, I wouldn't do that. Cause it was just like, it was, sure. it was my moment with, right. and some friends with the band. And I was like, no, that's just something cool. I'll oh, show yeah. it to a couple friends, yeah, for sure. but I've never posted that on, on sure. Facebook because it's just uh, such a cool thing. But, yeah, I mean they're really good guys. Really good. Brad guys. Gillis is a hell of a talent, though. I mean, from a guitarist oh, standpoint, sure. like just underrated. Probably because the music that they played wasn't that challenging, but he has the chops. Oh yeah, he's well respected as a guitar. Oh, I replaced player. Randy Rhodes. He did. That's yeah. where he came from. Yeah. So was he also in um, Damn Yankees with Nugent, or was that Jack no? That was Blades? Tommy Shaw, oh, Jack Blades. Tommy, oh, that's that's where and, Blades and played. Ted and um, who's the drummer? It was an Aldrich, wasn't it? Michael. I can I can picture him. I can't remember his name. Oops. That was later in the eighties, though, right? It was yeah, like ninety yeah. eighty nine. High something enough, like that. and you know. Yeah, that was a music. thing for a while, for sure. Yeah, that was a thing for a while. Uh, what about uh, Lover Boy? Love eighty four. Mike Boy. Reno. Have you seen I, Mike Reno recently? Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See, that's not right. That's not right. I saw Lover Boy. I'm sorry. Back in the eighties. 
Um, the Hooters opened up for them. <laughs> oh my God! At the Civic them. Arena, yeah, and yeah, I'll tell yeah, you what, yeah. it was one of the fun Good shows show? I've ever been at. I did a, a story on my Facebook page, Chris Winter Radio, if you'd like to follow along. But, Chris Winter Radio, and that's C R I S. A lot of people Always. like to put that even I make in there. that mistake sometimes. That's when I type right. too fast. No worries, but um, yeah, that show was just so much fun. Always loved the band. You know, when that album came out, Lucky One. You know, oh, yeah. the Lucky. It's a big record. You know it. Everybody did the, the, the fingers butt. behind your butt, you know. Hey, are you red, lucky? The red you know? pants. Exactly. So it was like a it was like a joke among friends, and then they played um, the Palace Theater in Greensburg, mm-hmm. maybe March, I want to say it was, and that was their first show back since COVID. They canceled oh, really? everything, and they were phenomenal. I love them. I thought they were great. He still has the chops. Yeah, I mean. Does he have the voice he had yeah, back in the 80s? No. But, 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 he but everything sing, sounded tell it's him. so good. Right, yeah. I mean, it was right. a very stripped down stage. Right. Um, they were just here last weekend. I was really bummed. I, I, I had the choice between that or Ringo. And I'm like, oh, <sighs> what do I do? What do I do? And I went to Ringo. Fabulous. But yeah, it was just, you know, he people were like, oh my gosh. I'm like, come on. It doesn't matter. This is what matters. Yeah, you, you went there. You went there to watch and listen to the music right. you remember. Right? I mean, Paul Dean is not a spring chicken and right. he still brought it. Right. I mean, he's probably in his... Well, neither is Ringo. He's probably in his late, late 70s. Damn. Paul Dean is, I believe. Because I think out of anybody in Loverboy, he was... The oldest. The, a lot older than the rest of yeah, the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I'll tell you what. Ringo, 82... I would put him up against anybody half his age. He ran. I was on his side where he came down the steps and he literally would go to the steps and they'd flash a light and they're like trying to help him. And he's like, no, I got this. I'm good. Doesn't put his hands on the handrail and just runs down the steps. (laughs) And my husband and I are like, oh, my gosh, Ringo's going to fall and hurt himself, you know. But he didn't. I mean, and same thing going up. You know, they're like, like, can we help you? And he's like, almost like, get off me! I'm, I, I got this. He still you know? has it. Yeah, and he drummed fabulous. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't drum the whole entire time. Um, he got out in front of of, of the stage and, and right. sang some songs. Right. But I mean, him and Greg Bissonette yeah. drummed. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I was kind of watching that a lot. And um, fabulous. He was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. But, yeah, but with Loverboy, it's like you know, uh, it, it's terrible that. We're in a society now that your looks are everything. Mm-hmm. Whether you're, uh, way, you know, Ann Wilson and you've gained some weight or whatever, or you're Nancy mm-hmm. Wilson, you've gained weight, or you're, you know, Mike Reno. That, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. Yeah, part of show business. Sure. I mean, it's just, it, you know, it's it's sad, but it also comes to the territory. Sure. They're gonna it, it does. It. And I, I think back to somebody like Lou Graham, who had gained uh, a, a, a lot of weight, but he was on steroids for for yep. his cancer mm-hmm. or whatever medicine he was on mm-hmm. and you know friends were like oh my god i'm like he's sick absolutely can we cut people a break Aren't we have to be so here, nasty you hear he's doing it right? yeah exactly i mean exactly like they're still they're still attempting to give you the best sure. show they possibly can sure but there are there are those bands that you know um maybe it's time to singers that maybe it's time to call it a day i know I, a few I, I, yeah and so do i <laughs> and i i think we've had this conversation before where you have people like Steve Perry, mm-hmm. Rick Emmett, oh, man. Getty Lee, uh, Lou Graham. I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, all these guys that were trying to outdo each other Jeff singing. Tate. Jeff Tate. Yeah. All these guys were trying to outdo each other with their singing. And everybody just kept getting higher and higher Paul and higher. Stanley. And it's like, yep. they've said, 
why did we do that? You know, now fans expect people to be, and you you know, you get older, your body changes, everything Mm -hmm. changes, and you you just can't pull it off anymore. Yeah, there was a, especially, I would, I think kind of like the late 80s, there was this crazy, like, vocal gymnastics. Exactly. Exactly. Nuts. Right. Right. I would go back and try to learn to play some of those records, and they're in these really odd keys. Like, they're, some of them are above standard tuning. It's just like, what were they doing? Like, why would they do that? I mean, I think of like Journey's Escape album. Mm. There are songs on there where, I mean, the the album to me was very raw sounding. So, Steve Perry's voice really kind of stuck out. It wasn't, you know, overproduced with like Roy Thomas Baker, like some of their early stuff. And it was like, wow, how is he going to be able to do this in concert? And he did. But night after night. Yeah. And a lot of that pressure was on him and the touring and all that. And I think that's why he I think that definitely a- 86th, you know, being a part of Journey because it was it was getting back into that grind. I mean, he even told me that, that it was it was tough. You know, people don't understand when you're the when you're the guitar player, you might be able to work around a, a finger injury or something like that. He says, but when you're the singer and it's your voice that's that people are expecting to hear, you know, what do you do? You're, you're exposed. Exactly. Very and much exposed. They made an agreement. I think we've talked about this before. They, they had a, a, a pack that when they did meet and greets, everybody came out. But it got to the point where girls are hanging on to him and stuff like that. And he's like, I can't afford to get sick. Because yeah. if I get sick, then we're, we cancel. Maybe we don't get the show back. And I mean, oh, they yeah. were selling out everywhere. Oh, yeah. So. I heard David Lee Roth. In, in a very lucid moment, talk about how he would always wear skull caps all the time. He says, I lost my hair generally because I, I just constantly wore skull caps on the bus no matter where I was. I knew that if I got sick, right. if I got a cold, I couldn't sing I and know. we had to cancel. I don't know if that's why Dave lost his hair. Probably other reasons, but, but ultimately, but ultimately, I he, never heard he, that one. He used but it. I understand. He used I it. understand what he's saying because I, I, I do have uh, friends of mine that met Steve Perry back in, uh, in, in Journey. Back in the early days, when when they were really hugely popular, I want to say maybe not raised on radio, but somewhere around there, and and he came out with gloves on and and had a, a towel around his neck and stuff. He was just trying to take. But when you you're meeting people after yeah. a performance like that, and you go back to your hotel, and you know a lot of people don't realize that you know the heat and the cool of a hotel room or a venue where you're playing messes with your voice no question um richie blackmore is is big on that keeping the room warm to keep his instruments sounding good Mm -hmm. not that he sings but if you've ever seen him lately uh last time i saw him was down at the rex theater i mean it was how long ago was that oh gosh i don't know but i mean it was like oh my god it's ungodly hot. Is it? I'm like, is anybody else hot in he here? And everybody else was like, it is. Is it warm in here, or am I like something going on with me? You know, and and th- that was what he liked. He liked everything kind of warmer, so it would it was easier for Certainly. him to play in things. And you know, we forgot it's to the talk craziness. about the cars. Oh my gosh, Heartbeat City came out in '84. I know. Yeah, that was a really interesting record. So that was a blend of rock and what would that be considered new wave? They were always, I think, new wave because that was, you know, when I was in high school and they came out, it was something different. But you listen today, their music was so, so basic. <laughs> it's like, it was, you know, very basic. But I mean, I just think they had it's a produced look. Produced well, though. Yes, yes. Uh, Roy Thomas Baker. Uh-huh. Um, they looked, they looked different. They were mysterious kind of looking. Um, and I think that's where a lot of that was 
these guys aren't like your normal rock stars. You know what right. I mean? And, you know, some of their stuff was kind of quirky and different and weird, dangerous type, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, going into Candy O. I mean, I think uh-huh. of that, those two songs, um, you know, I, I think they were a new wave, you know, but, but when, when yeah. Heartbeat City came out, then you had Drive. Yes. And that was, I think their first number one or maybe their only yes. number one song, you know. There's Wham too. I just got done reading. Wham was a band. Yeah. What was the name of the album? Uh, the big one? Make it big. Make it big was the name yeah, of that album. The song was "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Yeah, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax was big in '84. I don't was. know if it came out in '84, but that album, the song was huge in early '84. I remember that. Um, yeah, but I mean, Wham. I mean, I just got done doing An- Andrew Ridgely's book, and it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. That's a those those two guys were friends from when they were little, and you know, just. He says he only wanted to do like one or two albums and just call it a day. I don't know if that's, I think Uh there was more towards, you know, uh, George maybe getting a lot of recognition or um, um, attention. Because, but Andrew was a good looking dude. Oh my gosh. That really freaked me out that like he did, he was in the background. Yes. Yeah. It had to be intentional. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he's kind of a quiet guy. Um, I highly recommend his book. It, it, it was it was very good, very good, you know. And and he he talks about how he, I think, um, that uh, George Michael sent him a gift um, on for Christmas, and he was going to call him. And then his he said right after he got the gift, I think it was right after he got the gift, or he'd gotten a, he was going to call him to thank him and just catch up and his and George Michael's sister called and said that he had passed away. Wow. And he says, you know, that was, you know, again, it's one of those situations where, you know, live for today, you know. Yeah, no doubt you know, about it. They never it. had yeah. any any issues as far as their friendship or anything like that. Right. It, it's just, you know, um they made an impact rather quickly when you look at it. No doubt. I mean, yeah. they they caught well, again, you can talk about the impact of videos, right? Right. right. I mean, they definitely the short shorts from that. with the sweaters and all that stuff, and you know, those types of things. So, yeah, but I mean, if you didn't know what George Michael looked like or Andrew Ridgely looked like, right. would you have paid attention to that music? We've had this conversation. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Was Culture Club that year as well too? Ron the then. Big one? Yeah, Ron then. Eighty three, eighty four. I didn't they know started. what to make out of that. I remember seeing that going. That is everything that I don't understand about music because <laughs> it was you had iron maiden and all of a sudden you had culture club and in some weird way on television on this new network it all just it blended worked. together Sure, absolutely right because absolutely was, there was no real segmenting it was one after another and you think the crossover between like 80 and 81 look at the charts back then it was a lot of country a lot of pop like you know kenny rogers was everywhere right. Dottie west and him doing songs together Ala- i don't know if alabama was around 81 or not yeah but i mean it was just like a, a really weird Oak Ridge eclectic Boys. yeah elvira it was just like all this weird music but it all worked it and did. i don't think there is that now in radio okay i don't think there is stations that would play a lot of that stuff to blend together Everybody, yeah they're all looking for a niche Right, right. I mean, country music is is. What is country music? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It is so weird. I watched one, like one of these shows the other night, and I'm like, it sounds like Def Leppard with fiddles. Come on, it's doom, doom, shh, doom, doom, shh. 
And it's everything's about drink. Everything's about drinking. Uh-huh. Or their uh-huh. pickup truck. Or and the dog. Or the old lady left me. Yeah, but I mean, everything is about drinking. And it's uh-huh. just like, is you know, when I think back to like, you know, um, the days of Dwight Yoakam right. being popular and right. um, Rodney Crowell and those mm-hmm. types of artists and a lot of the women that were, you know, Katie Oslin and things. Yeah. The music was good. I, I just don't get the country music right now. I, I'm not. Don't you think it's a formula that they're being spoon fed by folks to get on oh, the radio? Sure. And that's always sure. been part of rock and roll. Yeah. But I mean, really now for country, if country is still country, is it pop or whatever it is? Yeah. But, I mean, know. a lot of them are crossing over into pop music. I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong because, you know, that if it fits, why not? Yeah, there's no rules. Right. Right. But it, didn't it, it start in the 90s, though? I mean, I think of, like, the guy from the Hootie and the Billifish, right? He went over to country, and it's like he started – even, like, Bon Jovi did a country, country like, rock and country record. Right, rock. right. It seemed like there was an attempt always to do that. Well, uh, with Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish, I think they just, you know, kind of were doing their own thing, and he found a niche there. Um, but, you know, he's from South Carolina. It's not like he's yeah. from Chicago being a – country singer you know what i mean I, I don't know it's just i don't i i i listen to it and i'm like what the hell is this i just i don't know so they're saying that there was a record by banana rama do you remember them yeah sure cruel summer cruel summer robert de niro's waiting yeah talking that. italian yeah talking Italian. well that's the robert de niro's waiting talking Italian. <laughs> yeah i mean how about Corey hart in that video with the sunglasses oh, could sure. you be any cooler than that sure right? i mean then he had another song uh off that album that was just fabulous it was a slow song now i, I can't remember the name of it oh god um, this is what happens when you get old. Um, yeah, it, it was a slow song. It'll come to me. But it was a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And, like, where did he go? I mean, he was on the yeah. charts there for a while. Brian yeah. a- Brian Adams' Reckless album came yeah, out in 84. Brian, that was a big one. Yeah, but it's like Brian Adams turned into a, a, a balladeer, and it was like, anytime we, <laughs> when we're at home and we have our iPod on or whatever, iPad listening to music, and uh, and something from Brian Adams' like first two albums come out. My husband and I look at each other like, remember when Brian Adams used to rock? You know, but yeah, because like at, the later stuff that came out was everything I do, I do it for you, and yeah, you know they those types him of songs. Crooner, they yeah, did. yeah, but they he's did. fabulous live. I mean, he yeah, he, he's even, powerful. Yeah, he he's great live. It's just you know his rock music was just as good. As you know, it was concerned. good, and it may have been that year with John Cougar Mellencamp, right? Or was it eighty three? But I mean, man, he hit the scene hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just did a post on my Facebook page, American Fool. Um, that came out in 82. Okay. And he was the first male artist to have the number one album on the charts and two songs in the top 10 at the wow. same time. That's That was a first. You Why know? do you think he hit? What did he tap into was it Americana? Americana. Was, it the, was, was it the Midwest? Midwest Americana, uh, a good-looking guy, you know, who came from a small town. You know, there was right. that. You know, I, I, maybe that at those times we were—that's what we were looking for, just you know, something different. But you know, I think a lot of it was just nice acoustic music, and he rocked too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I, I think maybe that, like you said, Americana was the first word I thought of, or just Midwestern. You know, John Cougar, Depeche Mode's on this list too. Mm-hmm. People him. are people. Yep, 
Was that rock? That um, is synthesizers. We know that. I don't know if it was rock. It was alternative. It was modern rock. So, I mean, back back in the days, it was either modern rock or, or or new wave, and I would certainly, you know, say they were. Um, fabulous band. Love that band so much. And I I was sad to see that you know Andrew Fletcher passed away. Mm-hmm. But they are going. They, they apparently they are going to start working on some new music. It'll just be the two of them, right. uh, David Gahan and Martin Gore. But um, you know, like they said, this going back into the studio is where they feel comfortable after what happened and you know he he certainly wouldn't want them not to to not stop making sure, music so sure. whether they'll tour i don't know but do you ever see them live depeche mode oh yeah yeah how do you describe that experience because i have and i got an opinion on that oh they were fabulous they were i mean so talk about fabulous to you then talk about a, a okay. band that got people up out of their seats and dance like crazy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but they have some cool stuff. That's um, it, the early days was more synthesizer, and then uh, in the later days, they they have a lot of stuff that is um, I don't want to say industrial because it's just like moody, very moody, moody music. You know, um, not the up dancing do 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 do. But I just I don't know. I I, I took a date to see that in ninety. And it was the day after a Kiss show there. So it was Kiss and then like a Friday night, then Saturday night it was Depeche Mode, I think. And again, coming off of a different experience, but it seemed like it's like, well, I'm watching guys up there pump like recorded music into the speakers and, you know, it just didn't seem like a concert to me. It was something else, like a DJ up there doing, I'm paying money to go see a DJ put on a light show. Yeah, but. That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah, well. A lot of that was electronic, you know, so if you're not into that, but, um, the but is first that a concert, what is, what is that? It's a concert. They're still singing and dancing and are they? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it, no, come on. It, it's not like it's, it's not like it's bands that are out there today where they're, they're tracked and they're lip syncing and things like that. I mean, these guys actually play their instruments. You know, Martin Gore plays a guitar. Yeah. Um, just that was the niche they had with with the um, the electronic type of stuff. But like I said, over the years, you know, they changed. Okay. Like in the in in the late eighties, they they started they started finding a different path. But they're fat. I, I just fabulously. I love that band so much. Well, the, the music, yeah. I also love the music. I just found the live experience to be weird. I felt the same way when I saw the Thompson Twins. I remember seeing that like they were. It was just odd to me that they were programming and they're pressing buttons and yeah was, and the singer a lot of was bands do singing, that. a I lot think. a lot of you know keyboard players do that you know they'll hit something and that's the background Sequence of this it, yes yeah. you know and well do you do you rip on somebody like ed sheeran who goes out with a guitar and foot pedals and he plays a shing shing and hits a foot pedal and all of a sudden shing shing yeah shing, i don't think shing, you can shing, rip shing. on him it's just and obviously if there's a, it's if a market genius. for it then it's they can genius. do it i mean what is he paying for let's be honest he's it's not paying for money. A, a drum tech he's not paying for a keyboard tech a bass tech he probably has besides the lighting in the stage he probably has maybe a, a guitar tech or two. You would know that mm-hmm. better than me. Mm-hmm. And probably a handful of IT people that are extremely good at what probably. they do. I'm talking CMU type of people. But that's not a – so for my money, 
based upon what I've experienced in my life, that is just not a concert to me. That's something. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's not. I don't know. Well, I, he I made a ton of money, I Eric. See, so I know, what do I we know. know? I don't know anything, but I mean, that's something I would see in a bar, mm-hmm. and I would go, "Okay, I got guys." Well, it's, it's just not your cup of tea. That's all. There's, there's, there's no shame in saying well, you didn't get it, but there's like a case in point. Let's say there was a hard. Ro- let's say, um, would I be okay with a hard rock act going up there with just a singer and an acoustic guitar and tracking everything? You know the music and him playing along to that and singing. Would I be okay with that? I don't think that's well. A no, no, you wouldn't be because you're expecting the band to be there. But if you know this is how Depeche Mode is and how they do their stuff, that is their thing. That is their thing. Yeah. yeah. So saying. you, you know, nobody's going in there expecting Depeche Mode to be, you know, full throttle guitars and jumping off the stage and stuff like that. That's not them. Yeah. That's all. You know what's interesting though, Chris? I went to the. To Duran Duran that same year in 84 and I would have to say that I was pleasantly surprised because I deemed their music to be very popish and there wasn't a lot of I don't know organic instruments there but man was I blown away oh, Andy yeah. Taylor and his brother was his brother or no they're not, not related no. John and there's Andy three, Taylor there's three three Taylors and the drummer the was a Taylor yeah. too but everything was big sounding it was powerful and Andy Taylor's guitar was heavy I yeah, mean, that was exactly. like a show yeah John that Taylor was- is if you watched any of his stuff he did over over the pandemic on playing bass he thing. It, yeah. he is good. Yeah. He's very good and yeah. very talented. And you you know, a lot of times I think with 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 you know Duran Duran, you look at them, they're five good looking guys, and and girls like them, and they're screaming bloody murder for mm-hmm. them when they go on stage, and you're not really paying attention to the actual talent that those guys yeah. have. Go see them live; it'll change. Oh my your mind. gosh, they're fabulous! Yeah, that's an fabulous. example where I was expecting. <clears throat> a bunch of synthesized crap and they came out and just like, like holy shit is that heavy right right it's uh, just it, it if you're misled by a band you know you're paying a lot of money and the band isn't what they are that then i can see you being upset but if it's this is how they do their job and they're electronic or whatever that is their thing that is their thing yeah and ed sheeran is every time i've seen ed sheeran he's done this thing with the key with the with the, the foot pedals and stuff and um can't remember when he opened up for Taylor Swift if he had a band or not. I can't remember, but I mean, you got to give him credit. But again, mm-hmm. how, all the people that like him are younger. Maybe it's a that's a different okay. experience, yeah. different generations. Yeah, I guess. exactly. Like if, if I had a conversation with my my son about like what live music is to him, it's just a totally different. Sure, his expectations are different. Sure, absolutely. You know, and I think that's also Chris why so many acts now are incorporating tracks and background. They're just doing it because maybe they can get away with it because other bands are doing it and, and the crowd's kind of expected now. Yeah. You know? I don't think our age people are expecting it. No, we don't expect it. No, we don't. It. We, we, we want don't want damn it. music. That's right. You know, but uh, and I think that's why. Especially for what you're paying for a concert ticket. I mean, let's be especially honest. Especially now. <clears throat> yeah. It's out of control. Is, it's out of control. Are they that high, though, because they've lost their ability to monetize their music? Are the ticket prices that high because they can't sell records to make income that way? Well, I look at it this way. This all kind of changed when the Eagles did their Hell Freezes Over tour. Irving Azoff was their manager, and he's the one that, you know, with the band set the ticket price. And we paid it. We we were paying over $100. I went to I see remember. them both nights at yeah. Starlake, and I was in the third or fourth row. I didn't get freebie tickets. I paid for them because that's my husband's favorite band. And it was like... We might never see them again, so all right, let's do it. You know, full right here, you know, but 
it I mean they were fabulous I mean they, they always put on a, a phenomenal show but that's where the ticket prices started to go up and is it because they don't make money off albums possibly yeah but with with the bands that have uh, record deals with record labels and there's not many of them like there used no, to be I mean record no. the record business is not what it used to be um, if you can do it on your own and manage it on your own, you're going to make a lot, of, you'll make money if, if you're good at what you do. And by that, I mean, your, your music is good and it speaks for itself. Um, but I, you know, there, there are record labels back years ago. I remember when 30 Seconds to Mars was suing, I, I forget the record label, um, was it Geffen? Um, but anyway, they were suing their record label or the, re the record label was suing them for a million dollars. And they were just like, wait a second, you know, and uh, Jared, Leto, J Jared Leto went ahead and did a whole entire documentary called Artifact. Watch it. I've heard Highly of Highly recommend I've it. I've heard of that. If you want to know anything about the music business and not just the record side or the band side, but really how things get broken down. Right. It's insane. Yeah. It is insane. There's there's some labels that have what they call a 360 deal. And, and that is, you know. A little bit of everything. You pay. You know, you ship uh, an album or uh, a record or whatever, and there's breakage. There's money that comes out of your pocket for that. And and they were charging them for like cassettes, and they weren't even making cassettes anymore. And he's like, "Why are you charging us for cassettes?" There's record labels that take a, a take of your of your your merchandise money, right? And a lot of bands, some bands, not everybody, but a lot of bands make a lot of money off of that. I think that's the bulk of a lot of bands. Exactly. Money now. now, today it is, right, sure. Right. But it's a it's called Artifact. Fabulous. High, Artifact. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. And I mean he talks to, you know, uh, you know, not just himself, but he talks to other people in the industry. He talks to Irving Azoff. He talks to um uh, Chester Bennington from mm -hmm. from Lincoln Park and other bands that were kind of caught in that same kind of situation. And you don't realize, I, I believe it was the Eagles only made, when Hotel California came out, they only made like a, a penny on the album or something. It was something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, and that's why. that's when there was money to go around back then. Absolutely. And I mean, you figure how many, or, or their greatest hits, how many songs, you know, that greatest hits album went to number one and stayed at number one for such a long time. And right. uh, even though it was a greatest hits album, it still brought the rec record label money. No question. You know, and and it's expensive to tour. You, you know, you ha I think now today um, with the younger people, you have to have things for them to look at. You know what I mean? And I, I don't mean that in any disrespect at all, but I mean, it's just it's that true. it's, we've grown up in a different time and I'm sure people that are older than us, um, you know, they're in their seventies or eighties, you know, they didn't, they just expected the person to come out and play. And then as people got a little bit older now, it's like, okay, those people have gotten older, but now there's us and now we want the flash. We want the, the leather pants, the crazy hair, the, the jumps, um, things to keep us occupied. But now I think it's it's gone in, in, in another different direction, you know? It's just the generational thing, you know? Yeah, attention spans are shorter now, generally, yeah. for, for everybody. And I really don't think there's a lot of, um, like, loyalty to bands anymore, um, like it was when we were growing up. When you got an album, you took it home, you didn't let it sit in your bedroom, you opened it up, you, you, you tore the 
plastic off of it. You, if it was a double album or it had the, the liner notes, you, you looked at the liner of notes, course. you read them, you memorized, you played the, the album, you sang along with it, 100%. you listened to it 500 times so that you knew the words to the, to the album by the end of the week. And it was an experience where now with downloading and all that stuff, that isn't there. And, you know, no matter what album you had back when you were younger, for me, I don't know, Peter Frampton or mm -hmm. Journey or Daryl Hall and John Oates or, or Pablo Cruz or whoever I liked, I bought that album, all every album, because that I support, I support, uh, Chris Winter thing. supported these guys. That's your thing. And yeah, I would listen to band. it and maybe it wasn't the best album, but I would find something <laughs> very positive about it. And I'm like, you know what? And I'll go back and I'll listen to it now. I'm like... This is actually a really good record. Uh -huh. You know, I, I found the good in everything. I never really yeah. listened to something and be like, oh my God, this song sucks. Move ahead or turn, turn, flip the record over or anything like that. No, I spent my hard earned money on this album and damn it, I'm going to like it. I'm going to take every exactly. ounce of it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that is interesting because that's how we ingested our music then. Right. Right. I'm not alone. I mean, yeah. you know, the record, the, the liner notes. I mean, I can remember opening up Infinity and reading about, you know, Skinner dying and, and their, you know, we, we remember our brothers on the road and things right. like that. I mean, right. those types of things. And I thought, oh my gosh, how cool uh -huh. that they. That's what kids are missing. They, yeah. They're, they, there's none of that. The album experience gave you information. Right. And we were thirsty for it. Oh, absolutely. Because we didn't have other venues to right. go find it or right. even search for it. Or, I mean, hey, how did you find out a record was coming out? Circus Magazine. Hip Raider. You know, Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. Those types of things. That's the only you know? way. That was the only way. We didn't have the internet. Chris, I drove from Pittsburgh to Allentown in 83 to see a KISS show based upon what was printed in a magazine. I had no verification that it actually was going to happen that day. Right. But I did exactly. it because that's what it said in the magazine. Sure, it sure. could have been canceled. I would have no way of knowing. Yeah. You know, maybe you might have called maybe a, a radio station and uh, hope that somebody would have the information. Verify it, right. Yeah, to verify it. But yeah, absolutely. Go to Cleveland and be like, you know, hey, if the show didn't happen, we're like, Okay. We're here. We'll do something We're else. not going to freak out. We're just going to have some fun, find something to do, and then we'll drive home and tell mom and dad we saw a fabulous show. That's all. Yeah. I mean, no, we wouldn't do that. Would yeah. We? But I mean, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it, you know, to me, that's the experience. And I realize vinyl's coming back, and hopefully the younger people will realize how cool it is. And, and a lot of them are, you know, discovering vinyl and stuff. So mm -hmm. hopefully that'll change. That'll change. I think the convenience of downloading, though, is going to be hard to break. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, yeah. even for us old folks. I mean, because it's, I'm, I mean, I love the idea of having vinyl and I love the memories of that time. Right. But if you gave me my druthers, I'm probably going to just grab the download because it's just convenient. Well, now it is. You know, now it is. But you look at, <laughs> I think about, I have a bedroom that is one, two, three, three walls. Of nothing but music it's i have like this big thing that holds all my albums and then i have cds above that and the cds go all the way around the room right on top to you know floor to ceiling and my husband got itunes and he would take while he was working would take a stack of record or, or cds down and he would he he downloaded everything in that in that room i did that too and i'm thinking yeah. to myself i'm glad we did that mm -hmm. because fact of the matter is is that how do you know what songs you liked off an album? Right. You know, you'd have to, you know, oh yeah, I have that, 
some with with some records, not the whole. Only the hits are available, not right. not the deep cuts. Very true. You know, so with some stuff, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I would never hear that song again. So I'm so glad he did that. Although it took. <laughs> Three Jesus. years of his life. No, oh, yeah. that took no, a long time. No, I it know. It took a long time. I, well, I, the biggest fear was that if I don't do this, you know, uh, am I going to, if the CD breaks and CDs aren't made anymore, how am I going to get my music? I, no one knew about streaming at the time. Like, sure. I didn't know about any of this or stuff, then but. there were always this, if you copied music onto, uh, burned a CD, that that only had a shelf life for so long. And then right. that like, almost like that stuff would evaporate <laughs> off the CD. They, they scared that, us intentionally. That was the rumor. So I, I know. you know, I'd mark everything down that was <laughs> <laughs> I need to get doing? life. I really do. No, I think a lot of people did the exact yeah, same but thing. But I mean, it was like, you know, well, you know, you only have so much time with a CD, so, you know, <laughs> or, or you'll lose everything that's on. And do I'm you like, remember how crappy the first DVDs sounded? Man, were they bad? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, they were not. I mean, they, I mean, maybe they didn't sound bad when you first heard it because, like, you couldn't believe it was coming out of this disc, right? Right, but, right. But then as they got the technology and the oversampling rates and things got better, like, you go back and listen to one of those early ones. Oh, man, was it bad. Right. But we didn't know any better. No. We, we didn't, didn't know, know any better. And we didn't have Bose headphones and iPods or, or, or the, or the, uh, the earbuds and, and all that stuff and all the technology. Yeah, of course not. But. We're listening to AM radios. I was oh, just sure. happy to hear Zeppelin on an AM radio on my way home on the school bus. That Absolutely. was the greatest thing ever. Absolutely. You I know? mean, like when Olivia Newton-John passed away, it was like it, you heard her on AM radio growing up every day. Multiple songs, you know? Absolutely. Same with Three Dog Night. You know? Absolutely. Three Dog Night was all over AM radio back in the 70s, you know? And it's it's fabulous. Radio in general, what, you know, you're, you're, um, you're an icon in this town. You're a mainstay in radio and Pittsburgh radio. So I wanted to really ask you a question. Like, where is it today? You know? Where is, where is Yeah, where radio? is radio today from a music standpoint? Um. Well, I mean, there's still a lot of bands that are getting airplay, new bands that are getting airplay, depending mm-hmm. on what you like. I mean, it seems to me the country is every time I tune into the, a country station, it's like I've never heard of that person before. Interesting. So it seems like they're doing that a lot. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, there's new Scorpions. We, we played that a couple tracks off of that. And I was kind of disappointed because um, we played two tracks off the Scorpions new album. And they were doing a tour and didn't even come close to Pittsburgh. Their, the closest date they did was Atlantic City uh, Labor Day weekend. Is that weird? To, to me, it's weird. Yeah, it's like yeah. you're getting airplay in town. Why wouldn't you come to Pittsburgh? I mm-hmm. don't know what the, what the, the, the deal is with that, logistics, with yeah. the logistics yeah. of the band. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. maybe they only are here for X amount of time and, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of thought that was kind of odd. Is it but. still the same um, arrangement today as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago in regards to uh, new bands? I mean, is it still the same process to to get someone to take a look at it and get some airplays? It's still the same thing? Well, I don't, I don't know that for a fact simply because there's not a lot of record labels anymore. Got like it. when I was Got a it. DVE back, um, geez, it was there from 88 to 2005, 2004, and then did some other stuff for them. But um, when I was the music director... You know, I was my whole job all day was fielding calls from record labels and 
l- grabbing CDs that came to me and listening to them. And, you know, you'd get a write up on somebody and, hey, this song's getting airplay at this station in Chicago and L.A. and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'd listen to it. And, you know, and then my boss, who's a program director, and I would sit down and listen to some stuff. And record rep would come in and say, hey, you know, this is the new record. What do you think? You know, do you think we can get some airplay? That type of stuff. And I don't think that happens anymore. Okay. I don't I don't believe it does cuz okay. I I don't really know how many bands anymore are on a legit record label or are they doing it themselves? What are the legit record I, labels anymore? Sony, I would guess, right? Sony, or some some branch of Sony. I think probably Warner Brothers maybe. Um perhaps. I don't hmm. know if Geffen's still around. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of out of that realm of the business, you know. I just is there just not enough money, do you think, in it for the have that architecture where there's a record executives and advanced people and all this stuff that are out touching and massaging every radio station across the country and interacting? Is that whole architecture gone? Or is everything done now by computer? Or I, mean? I, I, I'm guessing it is. I don't know. I don't. I, I honestly don't know if, if so. A record. I mean, record person wouldn't walk in. Still wouldn't walk probably in. call, but whether they come in and meet, um, I, I think you know. Uh, there's not a lot of meet and greets anymore with bands because bands are making money doing their VIP packages. Got it. Got it. So um, I don't necessarily, that, that cuts out the middleman for, um, you know, the record label doing record label guy doing his job okay. because, you know, when let's, for example, um, we're playing a couple tracks off the old Aerosmith, get a grip album, let's say, and record label would say, you know, you guys want to do something with them. And I'm like, yeah, let me come up with a promotion. And we would do some kind of fun promotion with them or whatever. And then that was my job to take the winners, whatever they had right. to do between myself and the promotions director. We would make sure they did what they were supposed to do. And if they got to, meet, you know, part of the package was meeting the band, then I would work with a record label. Okay, here's where you need to be, blah, blah, blah. Here's your passes. Make sure your winners get in. That was my job to escort them backstage to meet the band and make sure that the record label knew that we were there. And, and that was his job to be sure that, Aerosmith had time with our winners since we did this big promotion. Now, though, everybody does these VIP experiences. Right. And it's their money. I mean, there's no middleman and things. And I think that's why some of these have gotten so outrageously expensive um, to, to, to do these VIP packages. Um, you yeah. know, like... Like yeah. kisses is really oh, expensive. I think about, I think, you know. yeah. And I, I was kind of around when that first kind of happened. Right. Like 2009, the Sonic Boom Tour, there was this meet and greet experience. And I, right. at that time it was like, you know, 500 bucks. Right. Which is now like $2,500. Yeah. But I remember seeing the potential there. Sure. And it, they control it. It's their money. Um, and there, and there's different, uh, layers of that. You can do a VIP experience where, you know, you just go and, and see, um, a sound check. The next one is a VIP experience where you get the sound check and you get a swag bag full of some stuff and maybe an autographed CD or, or a poster or something like that. Then there's the meet and greets. And, um, I've done a couple, I've paid for a couple. I, I've done Toto. I did, and Toto's was fabulous. It was very inexpensive and, um, you got, to hang out and watch just the group of people you got to hang out and see the band do a sound check and they would they would say hey anybody got a question about something and i'd say yeah there was a song you guys had you know how come it never was a hit and they'd start playing it it's amazing. or you know steve Percaro would would start playing uh pretty young thing from michael jackson because he wrote it you know or whatever and just a really cool experience and then you had great seats to the show you got to meet the band they gave you swag bag it was really a little bit of everything oh absolutely absolutely 
Um, uh, and then there's those like Bon Jovi that I know were outrageously expensive and you, you never got to meet John Bon Jovi. Right. You never got to meet the band. It's like, what's the point? Right. What's the point? Right. You know, right, are, right, right. Are, are you kind of slapping your fans across the face that, you know, oh, hey, you know, write out a check for $1,200 and I'll take your money, but you're not going to get to meet me. That I, I don't understand that. I don't understand. I don't know if he still does that. That was years ago. Yeah, but, it's a lot of money. Um, it's definitely a lot of money. At least I always thought Kiss was expensive, but I mean, you get to go stand with the band, get your picture taken. You get to go to an acoustic show. It was private ahead. You know, there was right. some intrinsic value. Oh, no, absolutely. Value's old. And, and there's a lot right, of but, artists that do that, that do have, they're not expensive. And, you know, it just depends on, on who you really like. And, and I mean, I've been blessed that I've been in this business long enough that I've, I've met so many bands and and famous people and and stuff like that and i i didn't have to shell out money for that but i have on on occasion on a couple of people because i'm I'm fans sure you know but um but yeah i mean it's just for a lot of people it's their, it's their hard-earned money and at least let them meet you and get a photo taken so. with you i think so you know i don't know if he still does that or not i'm not sure but you know um i just thought that was kind of like eh, you know is that right I don't I mean, it's a so. lot of money, and it's I'm all I'm all for capitalism. You know, if, if they want to, and of course now they're probably not getting big record deals and things, but sure. they got to find other revenue streams. Right. I and get this, it. This was something that somebody came up with. Sure, and every band does it. So going back to the record labels, you really don't need these people, and a lot of these bands have figured out, hey, um, we can kind of do this on our own. You know, or try to do it on their own. If if there, you know, there's a there's a lot of logistics to touring and things of that nature. But um, the, the record label kind of helps with the money in that department. But um, you know, I mean, name five bands that you love that mm-hmm. are that that are touring that you like. You, mm-hmm. may, you figure you spend a thousand dollars for every. That's five thousand dollars. And and, that's and, on the low and end. I mean, we're talking low end, that's absolutely on the low end. Plus the tickets. Sometimes the tickets aren't included in Correct. the meet and greets. Correct. Yes. And, you know, for, for my little niche of the world, too, I knew that things were going to change when Kiss was selling guitars as part of the meet and greet. You could do the meet and greet and you could also buy a signed sure. guitar where right. the artists were starting to believe, hey, you know, I can sell these instruments and make X amount of dollars well, on my let's, own. Let's be honest. You know, Gene and Paul are, are the premier promotional people you don't say you know i mean you've seen gene's house with all the stuff that they sell or they had or they have sold in the one of past. everything yeah but i mean it's genius i mean if people are gonna spend money on it and i i remember years ago uh when the pirates were in uh the playoffs long time ago if you remember that uh there was a guy that i saw that had uh it was kiss dressed as the pirates and they had baseball bats and stuff. And I took a picture of of his shirt and I put it on Twitter. I was new to Twitter and I tagged Gene Simmons. I'd never done this before. And Gene Simmons immediately responded. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, you better hide this shirt. Gene Simmons will be after you for, for monetary value or something like that. Something silly. And he replied back. He goes, don't you worry your sweet head, darling. Um, We have a deal with major league baseball. (laughs) And I was just like, Oh my gosh, really? But you know, more power to them. Yeah, I, you know? I, mean, I mean, bottom line is they took it upon themselves to to make money off of their brand. I mean, sure. how can you look negatively about it? If someone's willing to pay it and you are giving them something of, of – and they're giving something intrinsic which they believe is valuable. Right, right. I mean, they've never changed their logo. That's brilliant. You know. Uh, brilliant. 
doing the whole thing that they did without the makeup for a while and mm-hmm. then going back to it. And, you know, they kind of grabbed, I think, a, a whole new group of fans by doing that. You know, you, you yeah. can't fault them for that. I mean, that that's that's genius. And I mean, really, isn't a lot of what being a rock star is, is supposed to be is money? I mean, it's part of it. A lot of people, yes, get into the business because they love it. But eventually, if they become popular, it, it does become about the money. You know, I think so. I you think know? as Stanley would say, what well, there was three things: there was the drugs, there was the money, and there was the women. He goes, I left the drugs out, and I just took the other two. Right, and that worked for him. Right, right. You know, and that's how he's, I think he's able to survive this long doing sure. it. Sure, sure. But the, the other thing I always uh, took from him too was that he used to say all the time when someone would give him a compliment, he goes, "Oh, this is my job," and he would just blow it off. But that's what he would always say. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. That's just not a canned answer. I mean, this is like his job is to be Paul Stanley. Yeah, his job is child. to be when he's on. Yeah. And, you know, in meet and greets and signings or, or when he meets fans, he has to be on. That's right. a flipping job. Yeah. And he takes it that way. It's really kind of odd to me. I noticed that later in his career. Like, it was a, it was actually a job. It's kind of, well, it's kind of sad. Is Maybe. It, is it a job that, you're just doing it because you're making money out of it or I think he likes Do you it. still do you still enjoy doing what you're doing? When it becomes when when what your passion to me when your passion becomes a job mm-hmm. maybe it's time to get out. Maybe. The money you know? must be so good though. Oh my god. Come I mean on. that's but I, that's I mean that's it's my guess. That's my you know? guess. The money must sure. be so The other thing too though, I I want to ask you this. I have this theory about aging rock stars and why they just can't give it up. I think it goes beyond money. Now, some of them blow all their money and they need this money oh, later absolutely. in life. No absolutely. question. Sure. But I think it's that flipping adulation thing. I think it's oh, that getting on stage and of having course. command over these people, right? right? You could almost tell them to go kill, like, go kill, and they would just go do it. I right. Mean, it's just crazy adulation. Oh, there's, there's that's hard to give ego. Up. That's absolutely. hard to give up. I ego. Think. I, I think mean, Gene Simmons, that's going to be the biggest thing for him. The, the hardest thing for him, I think, is going to be giving up that adulation. Yeah. That power, that right. presence, right. right? People always tell you you're fabulous and you're great and this, that, and the other. I mean, that's that's got to blow up your head, you know? I would think. For for a lot of people, and there's those people that are 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 down to earth, and you know, it's are are down to earth and are honest with people. It's like, oh yeah, hey, that's nice, but you know, there's other people out there that are doing far better things than I am. I'm, you know, there's people, you know, helping people and doing this, and and I realize music is is something that helps so many people on so many different levels. Um, you know, if you're upset, if if you're if you're you're angry, if you're um, going through bad times. I mean, you know, music has gotten all of us through a lot of terrible things. The pandemic, nine mm-hmm. eleven. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, all of us found comfort in music, and and um, I'm willing to pay the price for that is if, if it makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Like to support an artist or to go see them or whatever. If if somebody's music speaks to me, and, and a lot of it does. A lot of it does. I think people should be remunerated for their efforts. I'm not saying I should set the bar for all of that, but I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with someone putting their offering out for a price if someone values that. Oh, sure, absolutely. They should, you shouldn't take commerce out of art, right? You know, right. It's, it's crazy mm-hmm. to think that that's I mean, there will be no art, right? Or very little art, right? 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 And and I mean, art is subjective to a lot of people. I mean, you look at a painting and you see something, and I see something like. Oh, 
gosh, that's mm-hmm. ugly, you know, whatever. She's looking around the room pretty no, quickly. Not. <laughs> no, they're, they're all photos. There's, they're a, all few, photos. there's a few in here. <laughs> okay, that one looks like it's from something like Scary. Twilight Zone or something. Scary, like it's yeah. going to come alive and yeah, kill that's me That's a Paul something. Stanley painting right there. Oh, really? Uh-huh. That's, That's nice. a little scary. <laughs> it is a little scary. But I mean, you know. It, it, it looks like uh, Scott Ian of Anthrax, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> but art, art is subjective to certain people. Music is subjective. Like you said about like going and seeing Depeche Mode. You didn't get it. But, you know, for a lot of other people, it's, it, you know, their music speaks to them and it makes yeah. them feel good and makes them happy, you know, or, you know, it, it's just, it is, I, you know, music is, is a universal language i think maybe not for every band for every fan but for those people that the music speaks to i think it is it certainly is and it certainly is part of the human condition people can deny it all they want but i mean why are why does it take up so much of our society because people are connected to it i'm sad for the for the people that like I'll mention, oh, I went and saw elton john or maybe not elton john but maybe That's somebody tomorrow night maybe something a, a little <laughs> less um popular yeah um i'm a big kicks fan okay mm-hmm. so oh, yeah I, I Harrisburg, say, PA. yeah so i like you know hey i saw kicks who and i'm like you don't know them now and then i say well i was going i'm going to see you know the doobie brothers who are the doobie brothers i'm like mm-hmm. how about ringo star who's ringo star oh like, god and it's just like beetle they're out there oh i've heard the beatles but I, I don't know the names of the beatles yeah yeah and yeah. i'm like oh my god really you don't know the name of the Beatles and you're like in your 40s? I'm like, what do you like? How do you live your life? With, I, I don't understand people that don't, I, are obsessed with music like I am. I guess that's kind of weird. But then they're obsessed with something else, you know, and, you know, working out or whatever. And that's fine. But it, I always think like, wow, what do you listen to when you're sad? Like, what uh-huh. do you listen to when you need some motivation to go tell your boss you want to raise you know you need right. a little you know rocky music to get you right. pumped up or whatever right. anything but it's you know i've had a couple people like that that are not touched by it it's kind of background noise for them yeah you know yeah which is a weird thing it's weird to me it's weird to me because music is my life i mean uh-huh. everything i do i wouldn't have met my husband if it wasn't for music i wouldn't have had the job right. i have for this long Absolutely. if it wasn't for my my Absolutely. love of music and just dumb stuff i mean theme songs on television and all that stuff i mean but it's it's i i I just don't understand how how could you miss all that like i know how can you go through your life and not be aware of the names of the beatles probably the one band that influenced just about everybody in music right now you know i met a guy once who didn't know who mick jagger was not that he was even a rolling stone didn't even know that the name did nothing to him and I said, I didn't want to make fun of the guy and the conversation, didn't want to ruin the conversation, but he did of not course. know who Mick Jagger was. Of course. He did not know who Mick Jagger was. Wow. I Again, mean, you, you, you don't know the name of the Beatles? You know? I mean, that's insane to me. I mean, when John Lennon was, was killed, I was in college and my roommate came in. It happened Monday night. This was Tuesday morning. I had late classes, so I slept in. And she came into our dorm room and was like, Hey, she goes, did you hear the news? I'm like, no. And she says, uh, one of the Beatles was killed. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? And, and I'm like, what do you look like? Did blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I don't know. He, he had kind of longer hair, Paul McCartney. And she's like, no. And I'm like, Ringo Starr, George Harrison, John Lennon. And she, she was like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? It's the Beatles. Come on, you know? And I got dressed and ran down to the, uh, to the, uh, the, 
the, we only had a TV in the lobby, you know, and everybody was glued to what oh, was yeah. going on. I was like, oh, gosh, that's terrible, you know, but. 81, yeah. right? Yep. Man, 80, 80 just... December of 80. Whatever happened to his son? His son was pretty talented, if I remember correctly. Julian, Julian? yeah, he's he, still putting music out. He had that like hit album there, and the Falot came out in 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 eighty four. Yeah. yeah, there was a thing there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looked like him. He sounded like him. Haunting. Yeah. Me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he's still he's still he's still playing music and still he just did. Uh, I think he just redid Imagine not too long ago. Okay. Yeah, coming out of the pandemic and. Um, it, it was very pretty, very pretty. Have you heard anything on the rumblings that lately it's kind of somewhat that the three surviving members of Zeppelin are kind of thinking about getting together? Wow, wouldn't that be spectacular? Do you think they can do it? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, well, JP can do it for sure. Yeah. With his hands tied behind his back probably. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is, again, we, we go back to the singers. It's... I think back to when um, Led Zeppelin got into the Kennedy Center Honors mm. and Ann Wilson watched that and, dozens of times. and Nancy Wilson out there singing Stairway to Heaven. And it broke my heart because Robert Plant looked like he just he, he was crying. I mean, he was trying to be kind of not showing it, but, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and it uh, what's going through his head at that point? Is it the disease? Is it just because? The music was so fabulous. It was such a great time in his life. Is it because, um, you know, nostalgia over, you know, we were young. Wow, we did a lot of crazy things, great things, great music. Or is it because I'm getting older, I can't do that anymore? Or I I don't know. I don't know. That would be fabulous. That would be fabulous. The person who enjoyed that the most, I think, was Jimmy Page. When I looked at, like, his reaction to that he oh was yeah like, and john paul jones was and jp was, yeah yeah but page was like into it like he yeah. was like i mean to see page smile that much consistently yeah. over like a five minute period was right. just unheard of right right but i it, but it, it made me sad yeah. to, to watch robert robert plants he's been the stickler the, all, the other two want to do it and they've wanted to do it for a while but page well, he's not touring with allison krauss so it's he he still it's not like he's yeah. not interested in singing anymore he's still singing so that's at least something good mm-hmm. um i would love to see love to see the talking heads get back together mm-hmm. and i'd like to see rem do a tour together all Ooh, all of them are happen? alive yeah um talking heads don't really get along all that great no, they um, do not. david Byrne kind of messed no one, that up no one gets along with him <laughs> exactly if you, if you read chris france's book uh, you'll see why and then you know rem i don't think there's any issues them you know personally not getting along but i just think that yeah, they've been real quiet they, stipe's been very quiet yeah they kind of just did their own thing they've done their own thing and but it's just like you know gosh can you can you do one more even if you did a handful of dates across the United States. Do a couple nights in New York. Do a night in yeah. Boston, Chicago, yeah. Florida. Film it. Yeah, or or just do a, a ten dates across the United States right. and let your fans travel to see it. You know, right? They'll do it. But they'll do it. What about the uh, about the Who? Where they're they're, <clears throat> they're still a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they always talk about this is our last time, and it's not their last time. Well, look at Elton John. This is, I, his, I think, his. I don't know what to it, expect tomorrow. Is this his fourth appearance? For the farewell tour, I saw I it the know. last time, and I'm, I'm going not actually tomorrow night. convinced it's going to happen tomorrow. And the reason I say that, well, is because the Queen died, you see, and then there. I think the Queen's funeral was it's Monday. Monday, yeah. But 
is Elton going to be Elton part of John, that? Elton John, come on. He has a private jet. He can blow out of here and be their lickety split. Come on. I don't know. Until it happens, I don't, I, I'm doubtful. Wow. I am. Wow. I yeah. am shocked. I'm, let me ask I, you I honestly question. didn't even think of, I, I've, I've thought about a lot of bands who, you know, are British and all that stuff. And I mean, you know, you think that when Diana died, you know, he changed Candle in the Wind for her. Um, but I, I don't know. And he did play her Jubilee, too. So oh, now, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Yeah. So we'll see. I think the pistol should play it myself. But. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> that was interesting. Did you see that any of the I mean, lots of celebrities were talking about? Did you see any of the um, comments from the pistols? I did not. So, ironically, the singer of the band took the high road and, and said, Hey, Sender Vic, Victorious, and posted the undocumented photo that they used on that album cover. Um, right. Just a regular photo. Right. And they said, you know, we are sending the best of their family or whatever. And the rest of the members were pretty snide and ignorant about it. So I didn't really? Still, yeah, what you thought I'll would happen to go was back. I'll have completely to go back flipped around. Wow. Well, yeah. well, it's very interesting. Johnny's maybe taking the high road. and Maybe. Maybe with, you know, getting older, you know, just realizes, okay, you know, let's, let's, can't be a jerk our whole entire lives. Although, like I've mentioned on the show before, I, I, I interviewed him. Is. And I was absolutely, t- I've never been more terrified to interview anybody but Johnny Light. And that is the honest to God's truth. And he was a complete gentleman. He was so nice to me and so kind. And he was a really good guy. And I, yeah. I, I was kind of upset with myself, not upset with myself, but like, come on, what? What was wrong with now? Was this by telephone or was this, this in person? This is by, by phone. By phone. Now, did he was it? Was he coming in for a show? Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Pill had just released an album. Okay. Yeah. Public did you ever work show. any of the public image shows in town when they were in? Have I been there? Yeah. I mean, okay. I didn't meet him though. Okay. No. Just I've only I've only had a, a dealing with him over the phone. I just thought that was interesting about the Queen, you know, because I mean yeah. they're so indelibly connected with her oh, sure. pop culture, yeah, you know. But it was just interesting to see what their reactions were. I'll have to go back and it wasn't and check what that I, out. it wasn't what I expected. Yeah, did you have a good time, my friend? I did, as always, as always. Thank what you year for we can time. talk about the next time? I'm thinking, I want to do late <laughs> '80s because that was late a 80s. weird time. Yeah, it because was. grunge, this grunge thing, kind of alternative, kind of. Mm. Yeah. You know, we can do the late '80s going into yeah. the '90s. Well, really, when you look at it. Hair bands were huge, they like eighty six, eighty seven, eighty. Oh yeah, for sure, um, for the sure. Alternative stuff was was big, and then grunge kind of happened early nineties. So you kind of, you know, okay. some of them were still doing that, but um, yeah, that, that was like a weird. That was kind of like a nineteen eighty one, like I mentioned earlier, where it was a lot of weird stuff uh, on 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 the radio. How would you classify before we scoot like the Stone Temple Pilots? Like, what would you say? Because I never. Looked at them as a grunge band, right? They were like a chameleon. Every song was different on a record. It was like, yeah, I just I think coming out of that area, just get tagged with that, you know. Okay, you know, they were a hell of a band. I mean, oh my gosh, was, they were fabulous. coming out of the nineties, they were probably to me one of the the best and most complex rock bands that right. were out there. Then. Right. But that wasn't grunge to me. Grunge yeah, well, me it's just was... like, you know, there's a lot of the bands that got, you know, kind of thrown into the hair metal. Were they really hair metal? No, I, I don't think so. I don't really think Cinderella was. I thought Cinderella was a straight ahead rock, rock band. band. But mm-hmm. 
in order to fit in or get notoriety or whatever. They did the hair okay. and, and all that stuff, okay. I think. Okay. There's certain bands like that. Tesla kind of got thrown into that as no well. Question. And Tesla is not, not even anything close to a hair band. They were the first band to do an actual acoustic thing and made it successful. Right. Before MTV Unplugged. Well, Bon Jovi did it too. You know, oh, Bon yeah. Jovi did his thing. That's right. But, but That's Tesla, right. yeah. Uh, Kicks. I, I don't think Kicks is a hair metal band. Mm. I, I think they were, they're more of like the Ramones and ACDC, I think, you know, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, just it, it, it depends on when you came out and sometimes you just got lumped into yeah, that stuff. For so, sure. Well, yeah. we'll hit the late 80s. Yeah. Sounds next good. Time. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right, friends. Chris Winter. And they can reach you at? Uh, Chris Winter Radio. That's C R I S Winter, just like the season. Radio on Facebook. And I'm at Chris Winter 412 on Instagram and on Twitter. Look her up. You'll be disappointed. It's all nostalgia stuff. It's this stuff we're talking about. It's memories. It's, do this forever. It's all kinds of you know weird things about TV and, and really pop culture is Nothing what I do. That. No politics. I, no I politics. I swear to God, no politics. We don't do that in the show. <laughs> Thank you, friends. Take care.